I've been asked to uh, share a little bit about myself before I read God's word to you. Um, my name is Kathy Rios. For some of you who have not yet met me, um, I typically attend the 11 a.m. service, and also I do enjoy the Saturday evening services as well. A um, little bit about me. I am married, and I have adult children, and um, I... I also have the privilege um, to serve on the Women's Advisory Board here at Cornerstone. Um, in previous years, um, I have served as a director in children's ministry for a couple of decades at a previous church, but um, God has brought us here, and we are just so thankful to be able to join this welcoming community. And I also pray that um, those of you who are new also feel that welcomeness that our members extend to each of you. Um, but uh, enough about me. I would like to get back to God's word and shedding the light on him and his holy name. All right. A reading from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out of form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters, 
Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth, according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw it was good. It's the word of God. Thank you, Kathy. I almost forgot I had to preach there for a second. I was like, keep going. I should narrate the Bible. I would listen to that for sure. Um, well, we definitely are going to be um, having God's Word read throughout this series, and it takes us right into uh, Christmas Eve is the, uh, Sunday this year, so that weekend. So uh, we definitely still need readers. Not only, not you don't have to read as well as Kathy. It's okay. But if you do read and want to, uh, we would love to have you be a part of that. So let us know. Don't tell me in person. I'll forget. So email or... or respond to the text that will go out. We also have reading guides for this series. Uh, It really isn't like a big extensive thing. It's one sheet. We did email that already. You may have gotten that. And it just simply gives you the text that we're going to be looking at for the next week. So you can just kind of be familiar. Because sometimes, like this week, we're going to deal with large scripture, which I'm not going to go through at all. That's why I had it all read. So I don't have to, because you know my, we'll be here for 10 hours. Okay. Uh, And so it's just nice to familiarize yourself with, with the text we're going to be looking at. All right. Um, you know, this past week, I, um, I, I, I had a, do- a doctor's appointment, uh, but it was an eye doctor's appointment. And I don't know about you, who has to go to the eye doctors? My, okay, oh, geez, oh, man, that's why, that's a recession-proof industry, I'll tell you. Uh, and, and so I, I actually really like going to the eye doctor. I love my eye doctor. I've had him for years. And I like him for a couple of reasons. One is he's just so like, he brings me, you get in the room, right? And a lot of times you have to shut the lights down so they can examine your eyes and you're just like this. And, and he's very gentle and he talks like this. And, and man, I, sometimes I just want to bring him home and when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Tell me, doctor, about stigmatisms and lenses and <laughs> wouldn't that be great? And, 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 but, the, but the real reason I like him, he's just like a super eye nerd, right? Like, which is a great compliment, right? And, and you know, if someone calls me a Bible nerd, I'm like, compliment, right? Calling him an eye nerd. So, and so what I mean by that is like, he's had me for years. So he essentially knows what my lens is. And, but but he, he, he's like, uh, he, and I have lenses here, right? He, he's like super aggressive. He's like, we, we want to, I, I always say it in my voice. Instead, it's, what we would like to do is... Get you to better than 2020 vision. I'm like, doctor, I'm in my 40s. Like, I'm not trying to hit a 98 mile per hour slider, right? I, I just want to not kill people when I'm driving at night. That's our goal, right? But he's aggressive, right? So he, he gets all the fancy machines out, and then he says, yep, okay, that gets me close. But over here, he loves to tell me this, right? This is an antique, and he's got the old fashioned, like, if I don't care how old you are, eye doctors had this stuff, right? And he says, I could leave this room, and someone could not come back for 400 years, and this would still be good. Bold claim, right? But he takes out these lenses, turns down the lights, right? And he's just aggressively 
Hey, how about this one? Okay, now this one. How about this? Is this better? I'm like, ah, like I, what, can you read the letter? I think it's a D, maybe it's an E. No, how about that, right? And he's, what he's trying to do is get the most perfect lens so that I can see, not just at night, right, but the best so that I can might see in all areas of my life uh, as best as possible. And to him, it means everything. And I'm glad he does. Now, I bring that out because in Genesis 1, while, and I'll discuss it briefly, I think a lot of um, uh, uh, people <laughs> take rabbit trails with what this is trying to say and teach us about different things. It, it, it's really a lens. Think about it. It's the first chapter of all of God's word. And if you get this lens wrong, you can really get messed up how you look at the rest of Scripture, right? Genesis, Exodus, right on through Revelation and the New Testament. But if you can get it right and you can start to see what does it say about God, then you can see through it, what does this say about me? And what is, right, like how I view God in the circumstances of my life. And it will set up for us that lens that we need to get correct. That's going to be our focus. All right, let's pray. Um, because we want God to give us that focus. Lord, I pray that you would work in our minds, in our hearts, Lord, in, in, in just the deepest part of who we are. I pray in the name of Jesus that by your spirit, you would um, do a work in all of our lives. We've been singing and praising you and praying for your mercy and for your knowledge and for your wisdom. So I pray that you would grant that. Whatever anyone here, anyone who's watching with us online right now or who will watch or listen to this later on, that you would just supernaturally clue us in to what you have for us, your truth, your word. May you receive all the glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, so we begin with uh, this first 25 verses. Before we, we, we do that, and if you feel like you want to, I'm not going to go through all of them. I am going to definitely look at verse couple verses. Um, if you don't own a Bible, you can have one of those that's near you. Uh, and, and, or if you know someone who could use a Bible, take that home. Give that out as a gift. We will replace it. Uh, so uh, before we, we look at this, I wanted to show he's actually here right now, and I just uh, thought this picture was really awesome, and I want to take a, a, just a moment, I, I don't do this enough, just to kind of celebrate, and uh, there's James, how about James, let's hear it for James, right? Great picture, James. And yes, we always like, love to celebrate James, but really to celebrate the new ramp that's done, that's James on it. James has been using the old ramp that's nearly killed his parents, uh, trying to get him up that or help him up that for years. And now, because of your generosity and willingness to truly just give God your first and best, which we talk about all the time, uh, it's just, uh, you're able to not only, not just James, but we've seen this weekend alone, uh, people that I've, I've not seen use uh, it or even just met, and I don't know if it's, you know, just God's just doing that or if they saw it, but, but it's really a message to our community because it's right out front that says that you matter. I don't care what, what your disability might be. God loves you. There's a plan and a purpose for you here. And so uh, that's because of your generosity. That was not a cheap thing, all right? And, and I'm glad it wasn't. It should last uh, for, for uh, many years to come. And so uh, that's why we do. That's why we give generously. That's why we keep saying, hey, our goal is when we're gone, at least when I'm gone, the next generation, they won't have to worry about this building and all of that because we took care of it. We took that on. And so you're doing that, and I really am, am very thankful. Now let's take up a collection. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it. Um, 
Okay. So, uh, James, I could just keep you up the whole time, but I'm going to turn it to Genesis 1.1. Um, and, and so we already had this beautifully read by Kathy, but I just want you to see this again. These first two verses really, if, if, if the first chapter is a lens to all the scripture, the first verse or two is, is the, the lens to start looking at chapter 1. Right? And, and so uh, uh, it just simply says, in the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth. And I know if you have any kind of church background, even if you don't, you've probably read or heard this verse. But it's so important as it sets everything up that God, or in the Hebrew, Elohim, right, he, God, this one God, him, him alone created everything. Everything. When I studied this, as I alluded to earlier, I saw in these commentaries all of these different arguments have been going on for centuries of the nuances of different words. And I'm not kidding you, my eyes started to bleed. I'm like, what are we doing? So many, what I think is happening, I think it's a lot of times well-intended, sometimes not, is trying to take this chapter and make it do what it's not supposed to do, right? And so I just, here's a statement. Here's why you pay me the big bucks, Okay. And you're gonna just you're gonna be blown away by this, okay? Ready? The Bible says what it says. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. That's enough. That's enough. No, I mean you can keep applauding. That's enough for me. I'm done. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now you're really gonna applaud. The Bible says what it says, and that's really important. Now sometimes it gets confusing. Sometimes we're like, God, what? that's okay. God has revealed Himself to us, and sometimes we're wrestling with that. Well, it says this here, that there. It's okay. Right? He didn't give us everything. He gave us what we need and, and a revelation of himself because so, we need that. Right? So what happens, like, like a couple of different theories, which maybe you've heard, right? and there's many more. Um, but it's again, it's trying to make Genesis 1 a, a, a science book or a physics book or an astronomy book. And that's just not what it's meant to be. It is truth. It does teach us some of those types of things. But it's meant to be that lens, which is far more beneficial to us. Like one theory is um, what's called the gap theory. Maybe you've heard of the gap theory. Um, and so that is that you have verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then what happens here in verse 2 is the earth was formless and empty. Well, how'd that happen, right? And we'll talk about that. But the gap theory is God created, everything was good, and now we have this huge unknown expanse of time. Millions, trillions of years, whatever, you know, dinosaurs and all that stuff. And then, right, something happened, and now God sort of has to recreate everything. The problem with that is the Bible doesn't say that. And whether someone wants to think that or discuss that, those can be interesting side conversations. It just doesn't say it. So it's not really the point that we should be looking at, right? And, and, and it doesn't give us that. What you're, they're trying to do is say, well, we're trying to force our, what we know about science or think we know about science into the biblical text. You can't do that. The Bible says what it says. Um, the, the second theory of, that I think is pretty well known is called the day-age theory. And that just simply says, well, in Hebrew, just like in English, the word day, it usually means a specific day, like morning, afternoon, evening, night, right? Uh, and that's how in English it usually is too. But sometimes it's used as an expanse of unknown amount of time, right? Just like in, in English, right? Like when you say, usually you're saying, oh, that day, you're talking about one day. But sometimes you can say, oh man, things were better back in the day, which you're probably talking about the 80s, right? <laughs> or the 40s, or the 50s, or the 60s, right? But, but it's an unknown expense of time. And so the Hebrew does that too, but uh, language scholars, which I wish I was, but I'm not, will tell you that, that like usually there's markers or there's context to say that and here we don't have it. 
So it's just, again, and the reason I bring it up is just is people trying to, to bring it where it shouldn't be brought. That's not what Genesis 1 is for. It's to tell us about God, right? And in fact, here's how you want to look at it. And if you've, you've probably heard this chapter, some of you, many times. And, and, and a lot of times we look at it as if we're looking down from heaven, and that gets confusing. It's really what we call geocentric. You're supposed to imagine you're standing in the formless void, and you're watching. As God creates. Now, obviously, nobody was, but imagine you were. You watch God create and fill the earth with light and with life that flourishes, full of meaning and purpose, especially for the pinnacle of life, which is mankind, which we'll talk more about next week. And so he starts with this, right? In the beginning, Elohim, God created heavens and the earth. Why is Genesis 1-1? Why is Genesis 1? What is it doing? And, it's, and it's, it's just simply saying everything was created. Not just the stuff, but all of the processes surrounding the stuff by one God who's over it all. Now, maybe you grew up in church, and that sounds like, yeah, that makes sense. I've been learning that. But in their day, just like in our culture, this was often not the way people thought, right? The cultures and religions around them almost always had several gods. And, and what they would do, you read the stories and the tales of these gods, is they're, they're fighting with each other, or they're fighting against chaos, or against sea monsters, and, and all this stuff happens, and that's how creation happens. And so Genesis says, no, 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 no. There is one God, and he created everything. He created everything. The, the, uh, um, uh, the idea of even atheism in the ancient Near East was not ever on anyone's radar screen, right? They would have said, as I will say, that's a very uh, dumb lens to look at things. I'm not saying you're dumb if you're an atheist. I'm saying that's a dumb lens. Think about it. I, don't, I think everything that is here just appeared. Who brought it? I don't know. Do you know there's an actual theory that well-respected physicists say that aliens did it? Like they are. Like, and the reason they do that is because eventually they come to a point and they're like, well, I mean, everything has to be created, right? But I don't want to talk about God, so maybe aliens did it. Well, who created the aliens? And then you're just you know, down the road again, right? And so, so the, 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 they didn't really have that, but Genesis 1 teaches us, taught them, that, that it is one God. And he's not struggling, and he's not worried about something. He creates, and you see chapter 1, he just said, and it was, and it was good. So then you get to verse, verse 2, as you continue to look at that lens. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you see this beautiful picture, which is also argued over, but I won't get into that, is, is the Spirit of God, right? And I, always, I used to think when I read that, so before stuff was here, was God just, oh, you know, just doing that? And of course not, right? What that is a picture of in, that, in their language was a mother bird, right, as, 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 as kind of just over uh, her young and just bringing forth life that thrives and flourishes, which is what Genesis 1 is all about. And so what about this, Jamie? If, if he created in verse 1, how is it formless and empty in verse 2? Well, in Genesis, there's this um, sort of uh, just structure, right, for lack of a better term, structure. And so each section tends to begin with a summary statement. 
Like, it gives the big summary statement, and then it goes back for, for a period of time in that section to fill in the gaps. So that's what we think is happening here. In verse 1, it just tells us, God created everything. You need to know that. Now, we're going to start to fill back in the gaps. What that looked like as you're watching it unfold as Genesis 1 teaches you, right? And so what it says is, earth was formless and empty, darkness, right? And so we get obsessed in our modern scientific minds, and I don't know about me, but just in general, we get obsessed with substance, and so when we think, okay, God made water, and then he made the sun, and the moon, right? And that's true, but it's very important to remember that this is talking maybe even more about the just substances, but the processes, right? That, that God created seasons, and God created, like, all of the systems to which receive water, and, and it's all of it to show the thriving of meaning and purpose. And I want you to hear that, Okay? See, because that term can mean physically formless and empty, but it also is meant to mean it had no meaning or purpose without God. It had no meaning, no purpose, so God's creation wasn't just to give us a bunch of stuff and now good luck with it. It was to give us all of this to have life, to know him, to worship him, and to have intense and incredible meaning and purpose. How important is that in our culture today? How many look through a lens of, well, I don't know if there's a God. Maybe we're here from aliens. Or whatever you might think. And so when you think that, you may not know you're doing this, but you're looking through this lens, and now your life, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever you might have, is like, oh my gosh, that's like nothing. It's like nothing. Right? Let's say, like, all I'm going to be is like a blip, like maybe one or two generations after me will remember me, then I'm just a blip on a website when someone's doing a research project of their ancestry. That's it. So that gets anxiety ridden. Like, what's my purpose? My purpose is to make money. And it's, no, that's not my purpose. It's, it's, it's to be happy. Well, how, how do I get happy, right? And, and, and anxiety and stress, and, and, and we do, do really, really dumb things because we just completely lose sight of our purpose because we don't know there's meaning in what God has for us. That that's your meaning and purpose. Verse 2 tells us that. That in creation, he gives us meaning, purpose for life the way he's intended it. It's so incredibly important. Like, for instance, last week, the wicked thing that happened in Maine. Probably you read about that or heard about that. And, you know, immediately, of course, different sides jump in. They start arguing about, you know, gun control or mental health and blah, blah, blah. All important discussions. But we always skip over the one thing that 99.9% of us agree on, which is amazing. What do we agree on? That it was terrible. That it shouldn't happen, right? I don't care who you are or what you might believe. You're just like, that's terrible. So I would ask, why? Why is it terrible? Well, people lost their lives. So what? I know that sounds callous. But if there is no God and there is no purpose, then so what? But here it is. You know, you know life matters because you were made to know that. And so when you look through the lens of God made life and it matters, you matter now. You do. You're not junk. Yes, we'll get to chapter 3 in a few weeks, right, where sin jacked it all up. So there's mess and there is stuff that we wrestle with. But you, God made you, God has a plan for you. Whether it's 40 years, 50, 90 years, whatever it is, God has your eternal purposes in mind. You begin to look through that lens, everything changes.
And I think verse 2 sets us up for that. So that's the question. Do I trust this God? Elohim. Elohim. The God. He's not restricted by his own creation. He's not in it going, I don't know what to do. I made this. but No, 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 no. He made it all. He set it all in motion for order and organization, for flourishing of life. And he is over it all. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? And so what happened, um, if you look at the days, they're really cool. I don't know if you ever noticed this, if you've ever read that chapter, is they correlate, right? Like the six days do, right? Their seventh day we'll get to on its own. That's God rested, right? But the six days of creation correlate. Day one, let there be light. Separate darkness. Day four, right, is the sun, the moon, and the, and the, and the stars, and all of that, right? Day two is he makes the, the, he kind of separates. Now we have water, seas, lakes, all that. And we also have the sky, right? And, and, and it's this beautiful, you see it. Again, you're seeing creation unfold. Day, and that, that um, goes with day five, which God makes birds and stuff to live in the sky, fish and sea creatures to live in the sea. Day three, you see uh, God makes land and vegetation, two things. And then day six, the longest one, which we haven't gotten to the whole thing yet, he makes animals, including creepy crawlies that you pay big money to keep out of your house, right? <laughs> Someday we'll ask him, why do we have mice? Why do we have, you know? But uh, mosquitoes, don't get that. But he made it all. He made those, and, and, and so, um, and including the pinnacle of his creation, mankind. But think of, again, geocentric. You're watching it play out. Formless, void, dark. Now we have light. Now we have blue. Now we have green and brown. And now we can hear birds. Like you know that, that spring day when you're, oh, I just heard a bird. Oh, it's really going to be over soon. Winter, right? Imagine a first time hearing that or seeing an animal or, or, or fish in the sea. And you see God just filling his purpose, his life, right? They all coordinate with each other. But, but the real, what is it really trying to tell us? Is it giving us a science, uh, every little examination of little thing of life? No. That's, again, telling us something, okay? Like, like for instance, the, the um, day one, let there be light, and then day uh, four with the sun and moon and stars, people will ask, well, where was the light before the sun? Right? It's like, oh, gotcha. I gotcha, God. No, right? Like, like, we don't really know. It's not the point. Maybe it was light emanating from God himself. Maybe he created it, and, and now we can just see it. The, the, the real point of why this is in, and, and you see it laid out in Genesis 1, is because in their day, just like often prevalent today and throughout time and culture, people are prone to worshiping the sun and the moon and getting information from the alignment of the stars. Sound familiar? Of course. Because the stars are amazing. The sun's amazing. The, 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 the moon is amazing. How it all is, it's just amazing, right? And so what Genesis 1 is saying, hey, hey, they are amazing, but they aren't worthy of your worship. You worship not the created. You worship the creator. Romans 1 says we're always going to be prone to wanting to worship what God made, not the God who made it. But Genesis 1, Genesis 1 says, no, 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 he's God. All of it's awesome. He created it all, and it was not wearisome. It was he said it, and it was, and it was good. 
Then you see him make the, 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 the seas and then uh, put uh, uh, air and, and birds and then the sea creatures. And I love, he talks about uh, these big, fierce, ferocious, ferocious sea creatures. You see, in their day, in, in a lot of the religious, religions in their culture, the, the gods fought against the chaos of the sea and especially against sea creatures, right? And so Genesis 1 teaches us that, that, that those sea creatures aren't to be scary or fearful. They were made by God and they were made to be good, right? So here's the point, right? It's yes, there are rebels to God's creation and God's kingdom, of which without Christ we are rebels, but there are no rivals. There's rebels, but there's no rivals, there's nobody threatening God's kingdom. There's nobody threatening God's power. There's nobody making God go, oh, man, I better stay awake tonight because he's scary. No, 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 no. God is over it all. You can trust him. You can trust him. I love, as you see him start to make life, right, vegetation, for the first time we see God blesses. Isn't that cool? God blesses. He's a God who blesses. And he wants to bless in his way, for his purposes and his meaning. We want him to bless us in our purpose and meaning. No, 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 no. Because he knows that's not what you want. That's not what's good for you. He blesses life. He loves life. Death is from sin. Life is from God. And you see these words like kind and seed. And, and it's just the beginning of Genesis where you look through that lens and God wants us to flourish. God wants us to multiply in a good way. God wants us to fill the earth full of his goodness and life and be a part of the meaning that he has made us for, which ultimately brings him glory and him honor and him worship and praise. And that's the lens that if we could just look at the rest of Scripture and we could just look at at the rest of our life, that's who you are. That's what you're for. It's a big task, but it's a beautiful one, and it makes things just put in their proper perspective. And so um, what I want to do is look at that lens before we go today. What does Genesis 1 teach us? Not about science, not about physics or astronomy. What does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about God? Well, first, God is all-powerful. This is who God is. He is overall, control of all. He's not restricted by his creation. Right? He's not like, well, I set it up that way. Sorry, Jamie. Uh, I'm restricted. He's not. Here's the question. It's a big question, especially for you churchy people. I love you, but like, yes, I believe God is in control. Is that how our lives play out? Not that I gave you that bad voice. I'm sorry about that. Do I really trust him? Is he really all-powerful? Is this circumstance something I can trust him with? See, here's the thing. If you think of God just as like a super powerful one of us, it's going to fail you. It's not a good lens. Because, I mean, if you're a parent, you love your kids. You do anything to protect them and help them. I hope. But you can't, right? There's things that could and will happen to them you can do nothing about. That's what sometimes keeps you up at night. Because you'd love to, but you can't. You know why? Because you're nowhere near all-powerful. Nowhere near. So if you think of God like that, it all crumbles. And you start to go after your own means to protect yourself and help yourself, and it all crumbles. But if you say, no, 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 wait. God is all-powerful. Do I really believe that? Do I trust that? When the doctor says, I got six months. Do I trust that when my, my child is sick and I don't know what's wrong? Do I trust that when the person I love tells me they don't love me anymore? 
Do I believe God is all-powerful in that? That's the lens you desperately and I desperately need. Do I believe it in my anxiety and depression? Do I believe it when I'm battling substance abuse? Do I believe it that God is over it all? And if, he, if he's not doing something right now, it's because it's not in his perfect plan and he has a better timing for it and I trust him. And I trust him. You have to believe as a believer in Christ that God is all-powerful, that he is Elohim, that he, when my loved one dies, and I don't know what to do, I can trust him because nothing is beyond his power, nothing is beyond his control. He is God, and I am not. It's a good prayer every day. He is God, and I am not. The second part of your lens is that God is good. Do I believe it? I know we're in church. God is good all the time. God is good. It's a great saying. Do you believe it? How does my life play out? Do I really believe that God is good when I look at what's happening in the Middle East, when I look at what happened in Maine? Do I, do I really believe when I look at what's happening in my own uh, uh, family or marriage or when I look at, at, at what's happening to my, my adult child who I haven't seen in two years? Do I really believe God is good? Do you? It makes all the difference in the world. To believe that God isn't just all-powerful, but that he has everything good when it comes to life in his name. And it so often isn't what we want or how we would do it. And we have to make a really important faith-filled decision, and that is his way is best because he is good. He is good. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I was talking to, uh, to Bob, Pastor Bob, a number of months ago. We were talking about something in my own life. And he was, you know, believing and praying for, for something. And he, had, he said, well, what if God says no? What if he doesn't do that? And you'd think that would be a, a question that would make me feel sad or depressed. But it actually made me feel really relieved. Because I said to myself, I want him to do that. But if he doesn't, I know. He's still good. He's good. Do you believe that? Because when you face circumstances in life that this broken world brings, you better have that lens that he is God and he is good. And I'll trust him every day over something else in the world because if you don't believe he's good, you're going to slink off to thinking these little trinkets of this world will fulfill you and they will always, always, always leave you wanting more. Last part of it, that I see in this lens is God is the light of life. Right? What did he say in verse 3? Simple. Let there be light. Don't you love that? And there was. I mean, you do that when you flick a switch on, but that's, that's not the same thing. Right? God just said, let there be light. Let there be light. You see, throughout Scripture now, not just physically, but darkness now represents wickedness, rebellion against God, Sin, God's judgment, God's wrath, right? So God is a God of light, which represents life, not death, which is what darkness represents. And so we're going to find out in chapter 3, right, that, that sin kind of messed everything up. And so now we battle with wanting light and life, but battle darkness because of sin and death. And yet God is a God of light, which brings life. If you look at not just uh, Genesis 1, but what about in the New Testament, it's correlating chapter, John chapter 1. 
in the beginning, there it is again, was the Word. And that's a word for Jesus, God's Son, the second person of the Godhead. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So he's the agent of creation, Jesus. Right? This is always going to point to Christ. Always. All Scripture does. Everything points to him. Right, so, so it's like, uh, uh, all things are made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. There it is. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The cross, the resurrection, the gospel, that's what this is. You see, Jesus went to that cross. Or if you remember the story, phys- physical darkness descends. And in that, He's taking on all of God's judgment and wrath that I deserve, and so do you. But in that, he's he's the perfect sacrifice. And he dies in our place, and he says, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. What he's doing there is he's conquering sin, death, and darkness, and he's bringing the light of life. God's always been a light of life, and Jesus embodied that. He's the mission of life. But not just here, life eternal. That has to be part of your lens. You see, Jesus didn't just come. We think of it in terms of personal salvation. But you know that he's redeeming all of creation. That eventually when he returns, all that was good, that sin has messed up, will be again. And so he's rede- he didn't just redeem you, he's redeeming you, right? Like he, You're saved if you put your faith and trust in Christ and his work for you on the cross. But now he is in the process of redeeming you and reminding you, you have purpose, you have meaning, you are mine, and I have an amazing plan for you if you would but trust me, the light of the world. Have you trusted him? Is that your lens? God is all-powerful. He can save me. He can do it. He can heal me. God is good. His plan is good. And God In the flesh, Jesus Christ is the light of the world and darkness will not overcome it. Let's pray. And as I pray, ask yourself, are any of these areas, this lens, do you struggle with? Lord, I want to pray for those here who struggle with knowing that you're all powerful. There's areas of our lives that we've tried to wrestle control because we think we know better or we think you're not doing enough about, or can't do, or whatever it might be, we confess it, we lay it at your feet, and we ask for you, O Holy Spirit, to hover over our lives and to remind us that you are the God who heals, you are the God who saves, you are the God who redeems, you are the God who we trust everything with because you're all-powerful. Lord, I pray for, for those here who are struggling with wondering if you are good We say it, but do we believe it, Lord? Do we believe you're good when we're sick? Do we believe you're good when someone dies? Do we believe you're good when tragedy strikes? Do we believe you're good? Help us to remind us that you, God, are a goodness that we could never possibly truly understand without you revealing it to us. Remind us in the hardest places of our lives, you are good. Father, for the believer, I know we have a lot who have confessed Christ that see life through your life, through your light. Encourage us, Lord, to cling to you, Jesus. 
to not look again to the darkness, but look to you, you. Keep our eyes on you. And Father, for anyone here who's never done that, they're still on that, that, that hamster wheel of the world, Lord, would you open their hearts to belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That they would repent of their sin and turn to you. That we could celebrate another heart that you've saved by your mercy and your grace and your love. All glory and honor, do your name, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. If you can, let's stand together and worship.